Hey everybody and welcome to another CaliCube Tuesday. Today it's with Gennaro Cuafano from WordLift and from Four Week MBA. Four weeks for an MBA, that seems really short to me, Gennaro. Yeah, I mean, the, the basic idea is just to get, uh, you know, uh, get to know business as fast as possible and, uh, you know, don't uh, get uh, bogged down into much uh, theory. That's pretty much the, the main concept. Right, there you go. So that's the entire business model of Gennaro Corfano explained in 15 seconds and we can now <laughs> stop and leave. No, I'll sing you the song. <laughs> A quick hello to start the show. Welcome to the show, Gennaro Corfano. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Jason. I'm very glad to be here. And just for a bit of context, I mean, on um, for we can be a pretty much analyze uh, uh, business models of uh, different kinds of companies, like from more traditional companies to digital companies to tech companies to blockchain-based uh, business models. So probably over the years uh, since uh, 2015, I've been looking at hundreds of uh, uh, different kinds of business models. So that's what uh, this four-week MBA is about, pretty much. Right, yeah. And what I loved about it is that the, the times you've been on the podcast, you've explained to me the business models, and then we can actually kind of see where they're going, what they're thinking about. And a lot of it kind of where Google's trying to go, which is what we're going to talk about today, which is looking at Google SERP as its product, which I think is phenomenally interesting as a concept. But before that, we're going to quickly look at your brand SERP. So if we show the first yep. one, um, I always look up the guests. And what I saw is the related searches at the bottom are all about four-week MBA and businesses. And Google's obviously made an incredibly close connection between you and four-week MBA, and four-week MBA, and the topics. And I'll bet my bottom dollar that's because you use WordLift. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I've been very careful uh, over the years to uh, try to associate as much as possible my personal bra brand with uh, with a business brand. So uh, the, the the main uh, you know uh, strength of uh, of uh, uh, four-week MBA is the content uh, together with SEO done with uh, WordLift, and so. Uh, pretty much, I've been spending a lot of time in building up what's called the the knowledge graph of uh, of the website. So each uh, business model has its own uh, taxonomy with uh, mm. all the entities behind, and so it has been like a work done uh, in a few years. But uh, uh, as you saw, like it sort of paid off at least in terms of connection between the brand and uh, and the person. Right. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. I mean, I, I love all this stuff, kind of being an authority on a topic. Obviously, you are an authority on that topic. And if we look in Google Images, your images rank really well. But as with all the guests, if once you come on CaliCube Tuesdays or my podcast or both, uh, we sneak in with our images. And I think that's because Google's got taste and it likes the colors we use. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I think Google uh, also likes uh, the diversity in terms of uh, where it can get uh, it can get information. Yeah. And, uh, now that you make me notice, there is also it also needs a little bit of cleanup. Uh, the the at least the image part of uh, of my personal brand. Uh, there are a few things that are related too much to the past, which are not connected right. anymore with uh, with the kind of business that I run today. But it's uh, it's interesting. Yeah, I think it's a diversity. And of course, uh, your uh, CaliCube is, uh, is a very trusted uh, source. So I think uh, that's what also speeds up the, the process. Um, sure. Yeah, no, 100%. And in fact, CaliCube, the, our image kind of gallery, if you search for CaliCube in images two years ago, it was horrible. It was a complete hodgepodge of rubbish images that I'd put together using paint on, on my computer. And one day I looked at it and I thought, actually, that's awful. And 
once I'd got the design and I pushed the images out there and, as you said, put them on varied sources, made sure that it was all obvious that it came from CaliCube, it took about six weeks. It was pretty quick to clean, yeah. clean it up and make it look much more consistent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think uh, image, it's, uh, it's a critical part of uh, Google search and now the product right. is evolving. Of course, we'll see uh, how YouTube also plays a key role in the, in the whole business model and probably was one of the, the best, uh, you know, ever acquisitions done in the digital uh, business world. But anyhow, we will uh, we'll see those things. Otherwise, I'll start uh, talking to myself right. and we, we, we do the format with myself talking to the, to the camera. <laughs> right, yeah, well, and that's the thing is that the YouTube rabbit hole is a big rabbit hole, and we could do a whole yeah. episode about that. Um, but we can quote you on that YouTube, the best digital acquisition ever, generical fan. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> right, today, let's look at Google SERP as a product. Now, Nathan Chalmers from Bing, who's the whole page algorithm guy at Bing, and now Google have admitted that they have this, a similar thing. I think Gary Elias was calling it the magic mixer or something silly like that. But basically saying, or not, what Nathan was saying is, he takes the results from all the different verticals, the videos, the images, the blue links, and so on and so forth, and he puts them all together, and he designs it as a product. And that product aim is to satisfy Google's, oh, sorry, in their, in their case, Bing's users, in Google's case, Google's users, which made me think, if we stop looking at it from our perspective, how do we rank, but look at it, will I help Google's product? If I will help Google's product, Google will put me on its product, its SERP. I think that's a phenomenally interesting way of looking at it. And from what I understand, I thought it was a new idea, but you've been thinking like this for years. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think it's very important to look a little bit at the, the historical context uh, of, of how the, the Google business model uh, developed. Also, where it came from, because, uh, you know, uh, uh, originally uh, the, the, we know that the, one of the commercial killer applications of, of, uh, of the, the web was the browser. Uh, at least the browser, you know, enabled uh, many to, to uh, get out and uh, just explore the Internet, which uh, before like Netscape and Mosaic was, uh, was more like a walled uh, garden. So you had all the key players, uh, you know, much better than me, uh, like KOL, you had Prodigy, uh, you had like three, four key players with really controlled uh, the Internet at the time. But the Internet mm -hmm. at the time, like uh, the, the mid-90s, uh, in uh, beginning of the 90s was more like um, uh, very controlled experience. So sort of like it's happening today. So it's like uh, history that is coming back. And the paradox oh, right. is it's coming back uh, through the eyes of Google, which was one of the companies that wrecked the, 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 the world garden at oh, the time. Oh, I so, like that. We've come full yeah. circle and Google wrecked it and yeah, now yeah. they're rebuilding the walls. Basically, they knocked, exactly. they, they knocked exactly. the entire garden walls <laughs> down, opened it up to everyone, now they're closing it down again. That, that's I think that's the, inter the interesting perspective because uh, at the time again uh, the internet was a service which was closed run uh, primarily through a subscription based service you paid to AOL uh, you had access to various services that they controlled the experience of the mm -hmm. users they gave you email they gave you forums they gave you a few other things that uh, you know you you news you you could access to uh, those. Uh, you know, um, controlled uh, service. And then it came uh, the, the browsers. <laughs> and the browsers really changed the game. Uh, again, was uh, the, the killer commercial application because then the browsers 
called for for uh, search engines because uh, of course once you have the browser uh, if you plug in the search engine then it's another piece of uh, let's say the the digital supply chain so you get closer and closer to the users and you know you don't need to be like a huge player to uh, attract as many users uh, as you can you you can be like a new innovative company as google was at uh, uh, late uh, 90s so i think this is the interesting perspective uh, wow. again netscape uh, uh, first uh, then uh, Google came as a search engine, but really uh, Netscape was the first uh, digital player who tried to uh, build uh, out a, a wholly new uh, digital business model, although initially uh, Netscape was run through a freemium model. So Netscape was really a freemium model because you had uh, this browser which you could uh, download for free and they would uh, see how many users, for instance, were using the browser within companies. They would mm. call up companies and say, look, you have like hundreds of accounts with us. Now you either pay us an enterprise account or we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we will unplug the, 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 the browser licenses. Uh, and that's how uh, the, 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 the freemium works. So this is a freemium. So, sorry, I mean, that, 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 yeah. that's a good point. I mean, kind of for yeah. me, Netscape was just free and they gave it to everybody. And I was thinking yeah. they don't have a business model. How very silly. But in fact, they did. And it was to make the, the big companies pay. Yeah, and give exactly. it free to everybody else. It was, uh, it was an enterprise uh, business. Uh, it was losing a lot of money. And uh, one <laughs> also of the reasons it's because uh, it attracted the attention of Microsoft at the time. And so when Microsoft uh, got into the, 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 the browser's war, uh, then uh, things uh, got very messy for Netscape, which uh, never managed to really get to profitability until actually was uh, later on acquired. But uh, the, the key point is... Uh, at Netscape uh, was a company that went, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, it went through an IPO and was one of the first companies that was losing money and he was fine as long as uh, he was actually innovating, but he was running still a more linear business model. Uh, this we can call a freemium because, again, you have a free accounts and then you try to, uh, pour, uh, you know, to, to um, have uh, the enterprise pay and subsidi mm. uh, subsidize the the free the free users uh, and then on the other side the the, the really big game changers uh, was with uh, with search engines that for the first time really created uh, this uh, sort of attention based uh, business model where you could uh, subsidize uh, the whole company uh, with a very high high profitability through uh, advertising and but, but sorry but yeah. for for google uh, their advertising when did it start it was 2002 or something like that yeah, I mean, they, they, they started before, but uh, the advertising machine, yes, it was uh, early 2002, like you're talking about AdWords, right? So um, AdWords and then afterward, like AdSense, uh, it's uh, early 2000. Google was still uh, selling right. advertising deals, but he was doing it at enterprise level. So he had, uh, okay. they, they had the business development team who would go out and pitch uh, companies. So they were not selling uh, with uh, an, an engineering approach. So the old product was uh, 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 you know, uh, a genius product from the engineering standpoint. It was one of the, was definitely uh, one the best search engine that we had at the time. But on the sales side, there was not yet the engineering machine that uh, would uh, actually create the sort of scalability that we saw um, when Google actually uh, managed to uh, plug in uh, Google Ads, uh, Google AdWords, on what was called Google AdWords at the time, and uh, Google AdSense. Um, yeah, yeah, and the interesting part is that, uh, as we all know, at least who has been following Google, at the beginning, uh, 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 Larry Page and Sergey Brin, uh, they, they, they were not uh, really uh, 
uh, happy with uh, running an uh, advertising business model on top of Google. Because actually at the time, uh, when we look at the early 2000s, late 90s, uh, the, right. the main search engines were like uh, goto.com. Uh, we had, uh, you know, uh, there was Yahoo, which was more uh, um, uh, business listing, but also like uh, search engine. And anyhow... Um, thank you, Anton, who's just put up on screen that the initial release date of Google Ads was October the 23rd, 2000. Yeah. 2000. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The, uh, what I mean, the advertising machine between uh, 2000 and 2002, uh, when I say the advertising machine, I mean uh, the combination and the mixture of uh, both uh, Google Ads right. so, uh, and uh, Google AdSense. So when the two came together, that's really where things uh, became very, very, very scalable. Right. Yeah, because I was back in the day in 2003 or 2002, I think I started putting AdSense onto the kids' site, Buwan Kuala. And yeah. that was when I really kind of realized, because before that, for me, it was go-to. And right. Google then kind of took over, and it was incredibly quick how fast yeah. it kind of it, it raced off from there. And you kind of thinking, they've got these ads on. People should be scared away because there are other alternatives that didn't have ads or didn't have visible ads for the users. And yet they managed to dominate simply by being right. much better. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the problem is... Uh, I, uh, a search engine like GoTo uh, was uh, uh, too much focused on the, uh, on uh, uh, making money through uh, the, mm. the the bidding process. Uh, it was, of course, the first one who introduced the the the, uh, the, the pay per click uh, um, uh, you know a mechanism. Yeah, AdSense was 2003. Yeah, AdSense was 2003. So I'm terribly pleased because, I mean, it was 2003 then that I got yeah. on board. So I got on board right at the beginning. At the beginning, um, And yeah. it actually made decent money back then. don't know if it yeah. does anymore. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I can imagine that. But again, at the time, uh, Google was much better because uh, um, uh, they had also, you know, advertising was placed uh, much more slowly and it was tested also yeah. as uh, it was scaling. And plus, uh, it was part of the organic results. So it was not uh, all uh, advertising like you had, for instance, on uh, GoTo. Uh, where uh, the, the idea was uh, really, re really incredible. But then at the end, the, the quality of results was still uh, much lower uh, than, than Google. So yeah. go, to, go to then sold out to Disney, who are another money-making machine who focus on money a lot. Yeah, I think um, they, they later, uh, I think, uh, sold uh, to Yahoo, I think. Oh, was it Yahoo? Sorry, I'm thinking yeah. of go.com who sold to Disney. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's goto.com, which uh, then it became like Coverture. More pro most probably you know right. it as yeah as uh, uh, but yeah they they sold uh, but uh, because then Google became like the the, the dominant player. And again, the interesting part is that uh, there is a whole story, different accounts in various books uh, uh, about that. Uh, at least we don't know if uh, it's uh, all true. But uh, when they also met with Bill Gross, which was the the founder of uh, goto.com, mm. uh, both uh, Page and Breen. Uh, had this thing that they hated the model that he was running because it was too much based on advertising. And there is the research paper that they published at the end of the 90s that actually said that that uh, they didn't think that advertising was a sustainable business model for search because it was too much biased. And so right. there was no way that you could build a search engine uh, with uh, an advertising machine on it. But then they, when they started to experiment with, uh, with the, their uh, engineering team, they actually figured that they could run advertising, make them profitable, and make them yet interesting for, uh, for users. Today, which, which, 
Which immediately says that the balance is incredibly important. And what they managed to do was get the balance right, whereas GoTo were being too aggressive, for example. Um, yeah. And fast forward to now, and they're, they're, they've got the balance so much right that it's sustaining and it's making boatloads of money. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's incredible. It's incredible, and again, uh, it was not an easy uh, an easy thing to do. Uh, and uh, when in two thousand four uh, Google uh, went through the IPO, everyone was surprised. It was like this mm. is a magnificent machine. It was highly profitable, uh, incredible margins. It kept growing uh, double and double every year. And still today, the the, the balance it's uh, it's uh, fra- fra- fragile a little bit. Because uh, uh, I was looking at uh, more in-depth in- in- numbers uh, from 2020, 2021. Uh, Google is still growing a lot. Uh, a lot of uh, the growth right now, of course, is coming from uh, mobile traffic. Mm. Um, because as you can imagine, through the pandemic, uh, a lot of traffic uh, came from uh, you know, mobile devices. There was the expansion of uh, uh, many more people using the Google products, but initially Google didn't make any money with that because uh, it was uh, more uh, um, just a growth of expenses because they had to actually cover the the, the data centers' expenses to uh, host all the, the traffic that was coming after the pandemic. But then the interesting part is that by the end of 2020, they managed to actually make money with that traffic uh, but uh, as they say in the financials, uh, they improved the ad formats. This is interesting because they emphasize many, many times that uh, part of the reason why the revenues increased is because they improved the ad formats. Now, improved, uh, we need to ask, what does it mean? Improved for whom? And so... I was improved, going to ask yeah. that exact question. <laughs> improved for whom? <laughs> Okay, I can go. I do my. I do the question and answer. <laughs> yeah, Keep but that, that, that's very interesting because uh, uh, they, they improved the revenues, so they managed finally to uh, tweak uh, the, the 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 paid uh, for ad formats on all the platforms, from Google Search to YouTube and all the other uh, platforms, to actually increase the, the revenues. But again, the, the the question on whether the user experience improved, I, I, I'm not sure about that because. I'm, one thing that comes to mind to me is uh, definitely the, the experience that I have on YouTube. I'm very, uh, I'm always on YouTube, uh, and uh, uh, I see that uh, they serve uh, so many advertising uh, on on, yeah. on the platform compared to just one year ago. And in many cases, it's uh, it's overlapping. It's uh, awful, and uh, so the the question is open. It's uh, is this mechanism like. Uh, uh, fragile? Can it last? How long will it last? Uh, the, will they manage to actually make it uh, uh, make money without uh, screwing up the, the, the user experience? Right. That's an open question. But, but back to the SERPs. Um, yeah. I mean, as soon as I say to anybody, let's look at Google SERPs as a product, and Google is optimizing its product for its users to best serve them in order to retain those users. Um, people immediately think of Google Ads, but for me, it's more than that because a vast amount of traffic they're serving is free in the sense that there are no ads. And when they do serve ads, people click on them, they get money. But, you know, it's not direct money. I said freemium, and you said that's Mm -hmm. the wrong term. No, it's not. uh, You know, there there are several ways to to categorize things. And, you know, if we end up... uh, uh, fighting on the name, we we'll never uh, agree. But uh, oh, I only the, said freemium because it's the only business word I know. Yeah, no, the the freemium to, in my mind it's a little bit more linear. 
uh, it's uh, more symmetric or right. symmetric. I'm not sure how, how to say it, but uh, usually the way I think of freemium, it's where uh, in most cases, the user is also the customer. So a classic example that I have in mind, it's uh, Netflix. And again, right. it's not like a freemium, uh, it's uh, more linear, it's more symmetrical, so it's better compared to you know the, the other model. But freemium, uh, in my mind, it's more like, okay, the user, it's the customer, uh, there's a free service, and then you are uh, actually uh, prompt to, to pay a subscription, it's the same service. In part, like YouTube, uh, it's, uh, it's a sort of a freemium because uh, you are prompted yeah. to subscribe to the platform, and so in that case, uh, you're not going to see the the, the, the advertising. Uh, on Google, uh, I the way uh, I like to, to call it, it's more like uh, asymmetric. Asymmetric because, again, the, the user, it's different from the customer. So uh, in most cases, uh, the, uh, the, the user uh, is getting, uh, you know, subsidized by the marketers and by the businesses that are bidding right. on their platform. So in that sense, it's, uh, you know, user, in most cases, user is different from the customer. It's uh, asymmetric also in terms of uh, data. So uh, as a user, to, you, you give data to, uh, to Google, um, you get free service from Google, but the way Google can handle that data is much more powerful compared to you as a user. So you get the free service, you get free search, you, you get free videos, but at the end, on the other side, the engineering team of Google can handle that data in a way that can be more powerful because it can actually use it to sell advertising, it can use it to improve the services, it can use it to actually uh, create new products, it can use it in many other ways. So there is an as asymmetry in, in terms of data because, again, a user is uh, much less powerful compared to the company on the other side that has the power to handle that data in, in many ways. The user gets a uh, service and it can use it more linearly. So free search, free videos and uh, stuff like that. So basically, uh, as Google users, we're being subsidized by the companies who actually pay for the advertising and also by the fact that we're sharing our data. Um, and, and Google's basic plan then is to say, I need to keep as many of these users as I can, coming back as often as I can, and by pure volume, the data yeah. plus the subsidies from these companies buying the ads is gonna keep making me money. And the marginal cost for them of delivering results is relatively low, so the profit margin is just getting bigger and bigger. It's as long big, as they yeah. can retain their users and basically serve them. Sorry, just to finish that point is, the on SERP SEO that we're all talking about now is that Google's keeping people on SERPs because as users, we want the results. We want the, the, the satisfaction as quickly as possible. And as users on the SERP, that's fine. As marketers, it really gets our gut. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the one incredible feat of Google, of course, it's uh, the fact that it can serve billions of users uh, at scale. Yeah. So uh, having a free service, uh, like search uh, from also mobile devices and all the other services. We uh, we actually realized that when a few months back, uh, several Google products were down. I mean, if Google, Google Docs goes down, I think uh, that most uh, startups will be well, will not know what to do uh, for uh, yeah. Day. So, I'd, so, I'd forgotten about that. That was that yeah. was a few months ago. It all went down yeah. and everyone was panicking. Oh God, it's amazing how quickly you forget things like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there, there was, uh, there was uh, you know, that uh, also told us a little bit about uh, how difficult it is to offer a service at scale. And that's really, uh, because many, especially in the SEO industry, they look at Google, they say Google sucks or, you know, <laughs> those sort of things. But offering a service at that scale to billions of users, it's, uh, it's an incredible feat. It's something that 
only a company like uh, Google has been able uh, to 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 actually do. Yeah, that's the the revenue growth. It's uh, right. You see, uh, yeah, Anton showing us the revenue growth from 2002, 0.4 billion dollars to 181.69 billion dollars in 2020. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. So uh, again, the the and, and still uh, the the main asset it's uh, the users, uh, no doubt about it, as you said. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, the balance of uh, Google as a business model is uh, that on the one side you have, uh, of course, the, the network members uh, that uh, um, are the websites or also the apps that are showing the advertising on their properties where mm -hmm. Google has to split the revenues with them. And then on the other side, you also have uh, the, the, the Google properties where Google has not, uh, you know, all the revenues go to Google. Uh, it doesn't have to split any revenue with with, uh, with anyone. So it's very important also to understand this distinction. So, uh, for instance, with that sense, of course, uh, if you're running uh, advertising right. on your site, Google still has to pay you back uh, revenue share. So it's, um, it's a model that works because it brings a lot of organic uh, results uh, through uh, free uh, the Google free search. But on the other side, it's also a model that is very cost intensive. So on the, the just financial standpoint, it's uh, the part of the business that has higher uh, cost for, for Google. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Google uh, in that sense, uh, uh, I guess, um, has a, a very uh, balance that has found like uh, in the early 2000s and ever since has managed to keep it going. Uh, so until it lasts, um, right. we will see. And are they going to trip up at some point? Because it feels like looking at those numbers that Anton showed, it feels like they're running and running, and and it's kind of you get the idea at some point they're going to trip up. I mean, they had the the whole index went bonkers two years ago uh, when somebody sent out the wrong shard and it it blocked the index and they had to or lost the index, lost the update, and they had to keep the index the same. Uh, for a month, and nobody even noticed, which is really interesting. And then they've got this outage six months ago. One little mistake, and the whole thing falls apart. Yeah, I mean, that shows a little bit also the, the, the paradox of uh, the web. I mean, the web was supposed to give us uh, decentralization. Instead, it brought us a few players that controlled the whole web. So if, uh, you know, Amazon AWS goes down, we really realize it because we're going to see many services perhaps Netflix going down because a good right. chunk of Netflix is running on AWS. The same is for Google. If Google goes down, we'll also realize it because, again, um, also at a professional level, many are running on Google Docs. So if it goes down, we are all uh, screwed up. Uh, and it's, it's a bit of a paradox. And also it's reason why more uh, like blockchain business models are uh, promising to, to get back to this sort of uh, decentralization. Of course, for now, it's just a promise. But the, 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 the main point for Google is, uh, again, uh, as they evolve, they are changing also the business model. Uh, it's, uh, it's usually a slow process because uh, uh, even when you uh, move toward things like, uh, let's say, voice search or other like new things, uh, you need to test uh, things like uh, very, very carefully because uh, an experiment for Google right now uh, on its advertising platform can be very, very expensive and it can produce damages that may be hard to recover. Yeah. Do you think they know how they're going to make money out of vo vocal search? Well, I, uh, there are many ways they can make money Ooh. with that. Uh, like, uh, for instance, of course, uh, uh, just uh, um, plugging in, as an example, YouTube uh, music, just like Amazon does with, uh, with, uh, with Alexa, where you are prompted to do just uh, mm -hmm. subscribe to the service, maybe an option, or like selling its own products, or like perhaps... Uh, at, 
Advertising, it's not, uh, as we know, it's not uh, the most uh, interesting one because then on voice, uh, we are too polarized. So uh, you, you get, uh, like on search, uh, the main advantage of Google is, uh, is that it could still uh, rank advertisers with a quality score. How do you do that on voice? It's a little bit more complex. Mm-hmm. Of course, you can do that on the screens. If you have like a voice device with a screen, you can still give a main result, uh, paid result uh, through voice and then show that, uh, show others result on the screen. But still, it's, uh, it's uh, very tricky. It's not, uh, it's not uh, an easy one. Uh, but um, yeah, I, yeah. So, sorry, but back to music. Sorry, I saw an article the other day. I think it was Warner Brothers who have just, uh, is, is it they've done an IPO? I can't remember what it is, but the guy running that was saying, it's only just started. We're about to make an absolute fortune and that royalties from music and streaming music, it hit the industry really hard at the beginning of the noughties, through the noughties, and until recently. And he was saying, basically, this is about where we're going to explode and make an absolute fortune. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's uh, that's an interesting use case. And again, it's uh, the only thing that you need to do is to look how recent other players are. What, what are they selling? Uh, in the case of Amazon, you see that uh, the one uh, interesting use case for mm-hmm. having Alexa is uh, listening to music, and it uh, prompts you uh, to 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 subscribe to Prime or uh, Amazon Music. Uh, and uh, also, Amazon it's uh, becoming uh, it's putting a lot of pressure on Google, as we know, because uh, also the advertising side of Amazon it's. Uh, growing at exponential rate, uh, even though Amazon is not even pushing that uh, as hard as it, uh, it could, because we know that uh, Amazon advertising could become uh, the you know, next uh, major uh, uh, advertising giant if it wanted, but of course, it's not the main segment right now of the business. Right. And, and Google, I mean, from, from my perspective, you look at it and Google, basically, Amazon have got the knowledge graph of the products. They've got the products, yeah. they sell the products, but they don't have the path to the product or they have less of it than Google. Google's got the path to the product, but it doesn't have the products. And now they're saying um, Google Shopping, uh, we're going to do organic results within Google Shopping. And that's their way, presumably, then to get a knowledge graph of products that they can then leverage. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's uh, another silent, uh, not not that silent, but uh, it's another word that, of course, we were uh, uh, aware of in 2020 when Google uh, opened like uh, uh, Google Shopping to, to everyone to be listed like for free uh, organically. So you understand from there that Google wants to, to uh, get as much data as possible about products. And as you say, yeah, Google has uh, all the informational queries and stuff like that. Uh, but then Amazon is much more powerful because if you have the the commercial data, I guess you can build an empire uh, much more uh, uh, much more quickly. Of course, you can uh, uh, you know you can have also a scenario where Google cuts off uh, Amazon from uh, search results, and mm. uh, you know it was also an, uh, an interesting uh, side effect of the recent update that Google did on the title tags, where uh, actually many Amazon uh, results were very very ugly, and uh, we can guess that they lost a lot of uh, traffic. Of course. Uh, we don't think it's. Uh, I don't think right. it was intentional. But uh. I actually found uh, a meta title on uh, a SERP, and it was 138 characters long. Crazy, <laughs> and that that was from Amazon. It was on Daddy yeah. Koala. I got 132 with my Daddy Koala meta title, and Amazon beat me with 138. But that was five lines of meta title yeah. or title on a SERP um, on a on a mobile device, not on desktop. Yeah. Um, I, I, that's just kind of for the for the story as opposed to being particularly relevant to this. So um, back to the walled garden that, that Google is building back up. Because yeah. 
What's what seems to be happening? I mean, do you think it's intentional? They're saying we're going to build this wall garden back up now that we've captured the four billion users who come to Google on a regular basis, as Anton was just showing. I think the temptation it's uh, it's uh, very very high because uh, from the business standpoint you need to keep growing, and so the temptation to do that uh, it's uh, uh, it's uh, it's an important uh, part of uh, this process. Uh, but on the other side. Uh, um, if they, I think they know that if they end up building up a wall garden, a garden at the next step uh, of the tech wave, is uh, they will uh, first of all, of course, they will uh, attract too much attention also from from a, a re mm. regulatory uh, perspective. Because if uh, if uh, you build up a wall garden, it's clear to the to the regulator that you are a monopoly, and so uh, actions might be taken very quickly. Because as you move and you build like various wall gardens, you're gonna upset very various industries as it happens when Google builds up uh, new tools uh, that uh, go vertical on various industries, um, like, you know, Google Flights or, you know, Google uh, Shopping or whatever, right. you, you, you will upset many, um, you know, many, many industries. And with that, you're going to grab the attention of uh, regulators. Uh, and on the other side, the, the risk is also as happened uh, with the AOL. Uh, the, the question is, uh, will, be, will be the next Google, which uh, will wreck uh, Google down? So... Sure. Um, if, I mean, they, if they build a, a wall garden. So that's uh, that's the main point. But from the user perspective in the short term, I think it's very appealing because, of course, if you have a free service that offers everything, uh, why not? I mean, uh, from the user standpoint, it's, uh, it may be less diverse, but uh, more uh, uh, more interesting, right? So, right. Well, I mean, part of the thing for Google is maybe inadvertent in the sense that they want to satisfy the user and the user is satisfied on the SERPL by con continuing, continuing excuse me, to investigate on the SERPL through different SERPs, which are the knowledge panel would be an example. People also ask another. So partly it's because the users want it, but also partly it's beginning to think, feel like we can lock people in. Things like Google Flights um, yeah. is, is really kind of locking people in, but is the fear that they have that if they don't do it, somebody else will do it? And that could be the start of the end of their game. Yeah, that could be also the start of uh, um, you know a process where uh, Google might uh, start building an empire also based on a, a subscription-based model. Because if you build mm. like an entire platform where you have everything, why not uh, try again the, the AOL model um, in some sense? So you, you still have like uh, free service everywhere, but then for a specific uh, very... Uh, specific dashboards, why not uh, try to, to sell a sort of uh, uh, subscription-based uh, service so it's going to be closed and no one, uh, you know. Um, right. I don't know. It's, but, uh, but, I mean, to, to be clear, AOL was totally closed. If you didn't pay, you didn't get in. Whereas you're yeah. saying, you know, I mean, Google could potentially say there's a, a premium uh, yeah, part, exactly. which they're doing with YouTube with and YouTube. saying there's a premium service that you can have many with, without with YouTube, ads. With YouTube is working eh? because <laughs> because right. they're pushing so many ads right now that you you rather buy YouTube premium other than I mean and it's not uh, it's not my case but uh, I was looking at the number at uh, at, at least uh, the YouTube uh, memberships uh, went up. I'm not sure if it, it's because it's pushing too many ads and so people are preferring to uh, go to the premium platform. Um, but those are the also two growing uh, segments like YouTube Premium and then the, the in-app uh, purchases in Google Play. So a lot of uh, all, all by traffic, it's uh, really the, the most relevant uh, right now for, uh, for Google growth. 
Um, right. But then um, if, if you look at what Google's doing kind of back on the cert, they're collecting all the data from that, or a lot of the data from around the web. They're, they're building up this immense knowledge graph or several knowledge graphs, and they are able to answer the question on the cert. Why wouldn't they? Yeah, because that uh, that's the thing that this might break up uh, the whole uh, ecosystem that Google created when uh, it um, it uh, created this uh, scalable business model. So if you if you kill uh, the the organic results, then the the chances are. Um, oh, sorry, yeah. just to interrupt really quickly, twenty million YouTube yeah, premium million, yeah. subscribers, according to uh, Anton, who found that I think probably by searching on Google. Sorry, back to you, Gennaro. Uh, so yeah, I mean the 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 risk is uh, if you do that, uh, you might uh, actually kill uh, the whole uh, ecosystem that made uh, Google uh, great in the first place uh, with all the organic results. I mean, if you do that, why would I uh, still enable Google to read my content and not block the whole uh, uh, robot TXT and say Google, uh, look, uh, the content uh, is not your yours for free because. Let's not forget that this is a symbiotic relationship between publishers and Google. Uh, I give you content for free as long as you give me back uh, qua qualified traffic. If you do, if mm -hmm. you don't, then I just uh, stop giving you content, and then Google can get can become very crappy from one day to, to another. Also, like for DI, to train uh, the the models uh, and give answers, uh, they still need the corporate content, and uh, they. Mm -hmm. Uh, they, they might get to the point where also Wikipedia says, look, you're not going to script my content anymore because uh, you're building a model uh, that uh, we do not agree with. Um, I don't know, it's a, it's a, it's a very complex uh, situation. Uh, they may be tempted again to do it, uh, but uh, too many risks in terms of uh, both uh, regulation, uh, um, screw up of the ecosystem. Uh, uh, right. And also, how you test it at scale? How you do you know it's going to work? Because, again, we all talk about AI, but one thing is uh, to train a model and uh, make it work. I mean, uh, with uh, with Borlift, uh, there's, uh, there's Andrea Volpini, who is uh, uh, the master that uh, when, uh, you know, when he plays with uh, with language models, it's very interesting because now we, you can do very advanced stuff, but still uh, you look at the output and that's how you judge the model. But when you scale up the model, how do you know that uh, it's not going to mm -hmm. screw up also the output? So you need to be very careful the way you implement it, the way you execute it. So it's a matter of scale. Right, yeah. I mean, Google is such a massive scale. I think we kind of forget. And when it does something like start rewriting meta titles, they say, well, it's only 20%. But 20% of a massive number is a very massive yeah, yeah. number still. Um, but as you do say, that. they don't know what's going to happen when they launch it. All they can do is launch it once they've tested it as well as they can, see what happens, and then take the flat from us and then roll it back slightly. Um, yeah. Uh, today, it's very hard for Google to run experiments because uh, at this point, uh, even the smallest experiment uh, is uh, noticed by the, the community, and that might uh, raise uh, red flags. Uh, that's uh, you know that that's uh, why monopolies are not good uh, for uh, for uh, marketplaces because uh, when you reach uh, the status of monopoly, then uh, all the experiments that you do are externalized to to, to society. Right. So when you get to that point, uh, hey, you're in a very uh, strange position. So you survive as long as uh, regulators will not come uh, after you. 
uh, that's uh, that's a bit of the the reality. I mean, it's interesting also because why do we have a market now, digital market that has evolved around search, and why did Microsoft miss that? Because actually, Microsoft was involved in the browser wars. It attracted the attention of regulators, and it had to spend mm-hmm. like Bill Gates had to spend like years in court to fight the the Netscape case, uh, which was uh, w- was also what uh, uh, g- uh, you know uh, take off focus. Uh, from uh, from uh, from search, and that may be the reason also why Microsoft was late in the in the game from search and also social media. So the whole markets of search and social media are also the result of the fact that there was a, 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 a an antitrust war between like Netscape and Microsoft. Because otherwise, we know that Bill Gates from the memo of 1996, I think uh, the the internet the tidal wave, he was very focused on that. So if Microsoft was putting all the resources on the on the web. Right we might have had a web which was uh, Microsoft-centered, uh, which is something that didn't happen. So, so again... What, 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 what we can expect in maybe the coming years is more and more antitrust activity against Google and Bing and Microsoft looking for that opportunity to, to, to leap in and catch up. So the, the, yeah, they need to be very careful the way they experiment. So one way is, of course, is to place bets and just uh, uh, bring them outside Google, uh, which is uh, what uh, Alphabet is already doing. So, right. for instance, they, they have uh, several bets that uh, make them lose a lot of money every year, a few billions every year. But anyhow, those are bets uh, in uh, several industries from uh, self-driving to uh, to um, uh, um, the drones. I mean, there, there are several uh, bets that Google has, uh, has placed, robotics and stuff like that. Uh, so one way is to just create another company which goes uh, outside the, the, the spectrum of uh, regulators. Uh, uh, another way is to just uh, keep uh, slowly uh, uh, tweaking the business model. Uh, one, because, of course, if you, uh, if you uh, screw up monetization, then you're, you're mm-hmm. done. And so you need to test like uh, things at uh, various scale very, very slowly. And second, because again, you need to find again a balance where um, you cannot think of creating a business model where you run, you plug in the eye and you do it all yourself. You still need to find players that will help you grow. So of course, uh, in today's world, it may not not be the publishers that will be the main, uh, you know, partners. So Google may be like the developers, or maybe like the programmers, maybe the AI developers, whatever. But you still have to find a balance where there is a new community that come together and uh, helps you build the things up, which is what Google is already doing um, on the cloud side with all the AI tools that it offers for free, like with TensorFlow and the other stuff that uh, programmers can use. Uh, and uh, that's a whole ecosystem that if uh, it uh, spurs up, it's going to, you know, help Google experiment with uh, with new uh, business models. So if you start killing up this ecosystem, you better uh, start building up a new one, which is much oh, yeah. greater of this one. Otherwise, you skew things up. Right. So, yeah, diversify or die. Advice from Gennaro Cofano after a 40-minute conversation about Google's product, which is the SERP. If they diversify, they might well survive. And if they don't, they might well die. Now, thank you very much, Gennaro. That was delightful and wonderful, incredibly interesting. Google is down. No. Oh, I didn't know you could query. Google is down. It will just say an answer box of no. It's a Um, lie. But well, the other problem, of course, is when it is down, it can't say yes. But that's a problem for another day. Next week, we have Simon Cox, who's going to talk all about, is it okay to be a webmaster? Talking about, can we be a generalist SEO? Or do we have to really specialize? Is there any shame in being 
a generalist SEO. I think that's phenomenally interesting. I think Simon's a delightful chat. And I'd like Gennaro to pass the baton to the next Absolutely. guest. I next pass week. the baton to Simon Cox, a great guy. I know that you play often on Twitter, uh, the, the game uh, Where Am I? In all the places <laughs> where you go. You started again now that the, the pandemic yep. is, is over. So, yeah, uh, great uh, session. So I won't tell you where I'm going next week, just in case Simon's watching so I can play the game. Thank you very much, Gennaro. A quick goodbye to end the show. Thank you, Gennaro.